The views and content expressed on the following program are the views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week coming at you on Twitch, on YouTube Live, on Facebook Live, on all your podcasty platforms, and on SiriusXM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Happy to be joined by my co-host this week, JC. How's it going, JC? There we go. How's it going, Ryan? <laughs> it is going great. So good Two to see you. Two weeks in a row. I know. I know. This is, I, and I'm not even bored of you yet. I mean, how about Such that? Such a treat for you. I get it. It is a celebration for you and you alone. It is a celebration. And let me tell you why. I am so happy to see you. For the folks who don't know JC, he hails from a little burg called Portland. And Just a little one. from what I've been seeing in the news, JC, <laughs> Portland is what could only be subtly described as a flaming apocalyptic hellscape right now from which there is no return. Do I have that about right? Is that the proper geographic term for that? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, we're not allowed to go outside anymore uh, by order of your skin will be melting off if you do. It is so, uh, fry an yeah. egg on the street, boiling lava hot out there. Now, I'll say this, JC. Let me say this. Mm-hmm. When I first saw the temperature reports, and it was like, what, 110 degrees or something insane like that? Higher. Go oh, higher. for God's sake. I was saying to myself, you know, this is bad, but I know that Portland can handle this. I know that Oregon is not going to collapse. They're going to be okay. They're tough people over there. They're going to get through this. Until I saw this picture on Twitter. Lauren, can you pull this picture up for me here? Oh, jeez. And uh, once I saw this picture, I immediately realized just how bad the situation was. For the, for the folks who are not seeing the stream right now, this is a notice from an Oregon gas station in which they are saying that gas is now self-service in Oregon. How bad does it have to get in Oregon before they say... You have to pump your own gas. It is, it's Mad Max over there. You, you have to understand. This is one of the things that we have over everywhere else in the country where we're just like, yeah, we do things different. Get used to it. Keep Portland <laughs> weird and keep Portland inside their car when you go to the gas station. And uh, so you know that the end times were upon us when we just couldn't just sit in our car <laughs> And uh, check our email while we were getting some gas. Like, that's the most important part of uh, going to the gas station is sitting in my car and checking my email. Come on. JC, I was not worried about this until I saw this. Now that I know that you Oregonians are pumping your own gas, I'm I'm definitely afraid. Do I need to come pick you up? Oh, Do, do you do need rescuing? Understand that it was a mere 40 degrees cooler today okay so we are back inside of our cars and we will not pump any gas thank you very much other people are paid to do that so we've come out on the other side of this the temperatures are back within the normal garden variety two-digit range in your neck of the woods 
Thank goodness. Oh, thank goodness, Look, indeed. Truly, we beat our standing record by nine degrees. That's way too many degrees to beat so, your standing record by. <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. But yes, we have cause to celebrate that things are finally back to normal, Thanks. meteorologically at least, where you are in Portland. <laughs> And we have lots to celebrate as well on the show front. Our guest this week, so happy to have him in the next segment, Nick Chanfioni. He is the CEO of Artist Republic. Artist Republic is a, a full-service platform, web-based, providing marketing, management, booking solutions for independent artists. I'm intrigued to learn more about how this platform works and how it promises to be sort of all things that artists need. That's a pretty big check to write and i've seen a lot of platforms try (laughs) i've seen them try and uh with mixed results so i'm excited to see what nick has done to thread the needle on this that's going to be a fun conversation in the next segment but before we get into what's going to be a fun conversation there jc absolutely i got to get into a uh a, a rather distressing uh set of tweets that i saw from an artist before i ask lauren to put these up I want to tell you, JC, a little bit about Polydor Records. Polydor is a UK-based label distributed by Interscope. By any measure, they're doing pretty well, Polydor. They are the UK label for a a small up-and-coming female artist, Billie Eilish something or another. You know, they they got her in the stable. Apparently, she's doing okay right now, that Billie Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish? Yeah, you know, must be be like an obscure new wave, maybe like a didgeridoo jazz or something. Just obscure artist. And, you know, they're doing doing the best they can with her. You know, they're they're trying to make money off her. But uh, they've been doing a lot in terms of talking about uh, justice causes, right? A, a lot of these labels now are trying to sort of get on the social justice train, your, your, your hashtags, your black boxes on social media, things like that. And they have a hashtag going out now, hashtag no silence in music. That's their big, that's their big hashtag. You see it on a bunch of their posts okay. now. It's all about we're fighting against racism and prejudice. And uh, Oh, I thought that quarter rests and whole rests have entered the chat, but... <laughs> carry on that's right no no rests in uh in, no rests. in any more polydor music anymore you come at them with the quarter rest the no. half they will just kick you right out of the studio you're playing right on through <laughs> they will take the keys to the studio that is a really obscure <laughs> pop culture is that is that saturday night live what was was it mad magazine or, or mad mad tv who was the one that uh, he done took the keys to the studio that's uh making the band right Oh, it's, it's making the it's Dave Chappelle. Oh, was that Dave Chappelle right? like doing making the band? Okay. Anyway, yeah. so I want to bring up this hashtag, no silence in music, uh, to talk a little bit about just labels generally. So if you know this podcast, if you know what we've been about for five years or six years since we've been hosting this show, if you're familiar with the Break the Business book, you know I have what you would call a healthy skepticism for the major label model, or what you might call a a boiling hatred for the label model. (laughs) And people ask me all the time, what is the piece of record deals that I despise the most? Like, what's the thing that I tell people about record deals, and I'm like, oh, that really rubs me the wrong way as an entertainment lawyer? Hey, Ryan. Yeah. What is the piece about record deals that you despise I am so glad you asked. You know, a lot of people ask me that question. I have heard that a lot of people ask you 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 hear that around, I'm sure. And I could talk about the comically low royalty rates. I could talk about the 360 Mm -hmm. provisions where labels are basically carving up income of artists 
in live performances and merchandising and a bunch of things that the label is in no way responsible for creating income for Absolutely. with that artist. <laughs> I could talk about the work for hire clauses where basically the artist makes the album but does not own the album that they make. I can talk about the uh, the recoupment clauses where basically an artist is an indentured servitude, an indentured servitude to the label and has to recoup all the label's costs out of their own royalties before they seem a dime of royalties. So even really throughout successful the artists throughout the universe, exactly. <laughs> so that you know, even pretty darn successful artists may never see a dime in royalties. You always hear those like behind the musics where like, oh yeah, TLC sold a million records and and never saw any royalties. That's how that can happen, recruitment. But mm-hmm. of all of that parade of horribles, of all of the things that frustrates me the most about record deals, the number one with a bullet, the top of the mountain of things that I despise is this very notion of the exclusivity in a record deal. So you as an artist, you're signed to a deal, you can record for that label and only that label for the duration of your record deal. Plus, the label determines when you record, uh, how you record, and with whom you record, and couple all of that with a record deal. The term of a record deal is not years, it's not temporal, it is the number of albums. It's a three-album deal. It's a five-album right. five deal. Base. Exactly. And so you might be thinking, hmm, if a label sets the schedule for how many albums or, or when you record, and a, and a label uh, also determines, and, and a record deal is based on how many, uh, a certain number of albums, couldn't that mean that a record label could keep an artist in a record deal for a long, long time if they just decide not to record any albums with you? I'm so oh, glad yeah. you asked. I did ask that. Thank yes, you, you did. <laughs> so uh, enter UK artist Ray, not to be confused with Ray Robinson who we had on last week. This is a different Ray. That's also <laughs> R-A-Y-E. She is signed to Polydor Records. And just yesterday, as we're recording this, she puts out a set of tweets that, to call it heartbreaking, would require a gift for understatement. I just want to read four of these tweets. Lauren, can you put these up? We're just going to read them in order and just prepare to get your heart just ripped out. Okay, here we go. This is Ray. She signed to Polydor. She says as follows. Imagine this pain. I have been signed to a major label since 2014. That is seven years. And I have had albums on albums of music sat in folders collecting dusts. Songs that I'm now giving away to A-list artists because I am awaiting confirmation that I am good enough to release an album. For context, in order for an album to be created, the label has to release money for the songs to be finished. As we talked about, you know, the label decides when you record, uh, with whom you record, they set the schedule, they, they make the decision. So, the label has to release the money for the songs to be finished, fees for producers, mixes, masters, and marketing support, etc. I have waited seven years for this day, she writes... And I am still waiting. I have been on a four-album record deal since 2014 and haven't been allowed to put out one album. All I care about is the music. I'm sick of being slept on and I'm sick of, sick of being in pain about it. This is not business to me. This is so personal. And finally, she writes, I've done everything they asked me. I switched genres. I work seven days a week. Ask anyone in the music game. They know. I'm done being a polite pop star. I want to make the album. I want to make my album now. Please, that's all I want. And so, I mean, 
If you needed a four-tweet encapsulation of what I hate most about the conventional record label model and why I tell artists to run away from these deals as fast as you can, it's that right there. It is the idea that you don't get to decide when you make your art, and the label does, and if they decide it's not cost-effective for you to make an album this year, next year, or anytime within a seven-year period— for reasons why, I don't know. Perhaps one of the reasons why is maybe Polydor is a little too busy with this Billie Eilish character. And so they kind of want to keep this other artist on a shelf. But if they want to keep her stuck in a deal for seven years and never put out an album, and then not much less the other three that she would have to deliver to finish this record deal, the label has all of the control. And so then I think back to Polydor's slogan, no silence oh. in music. And clearly, you know, when it's about, exactly. So when it's about, uh, oh, we're just going to talk about social justice and a bunch of platitudes. But meanwhile, a artist under their stable is effectively being silenced, even though she's got like 20 million streams a month. And her fans are saying, where's the album? And they're blaming her for that album not yeah. being out. And the label's the one holding it back. If that's not silence, I don't know what it is. Well, kind of the worst part about that is that they're squeezing the lifeblood of this career, right? So like you mentioned, the fans are going to blame who for an album not coming out. But then when they do kind of push through an album, they say, okay, now we're ready to release you. What do you think is going to happen? It's going to not do as well because you've lost a lot of your fan base, a lot of the heat that you had before then the label's going to go, oh, yeah, you know what? Your album's not doing so hot, so we're just going to release you and we're, you're not going to be able to recruit anything. You know, they they hold all of the keys, uh, and usually they're, a lot of things are very predatory. Yeah. I'm and glad so that you made— A lot of that really needs to stop. Yeah. I'm glad that you used the phrase, suck the life out of this artist, because that's what's particularly what's happening mm -hmm. with Ray, because it's not like they're not releasing any music at all. She's been putting out singles. They've been having her put out EPs, but none of those count against the four albums of the four-album deal. So oh, she's, she's creating value for them for free, but not actually getting to make any headway in terms of performing on this contract. And so they're using up her music-making prime. They're using up, uh, you know, especially for a young artist, you know, when you're young artist, particularly a female artist, late teens into your 20s, that's your prime. And she's been spending those you know, seven years of her prime on the bench. I've seen a lot of these deals, by the way, where it's an artist gets stuck oh, yeah. in a deal like this. I've never seen anything this egregious where it's seven years and not one album is released. This is, I mean, this is the worst of the worst. Yeah, I mean, not even releasing a Puff project in that time. It's yeah. absolutely insane. But, you know, I think that this artist and several other artists, this is not a story that we haven't heard before, right? Uh, they reach the point where this is the only option is to sort of take it to the people and tell your story in the words that you want to hear because unfortunately, you know, the silence, they're saying, you know, no silence in music, but you, shh, 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 shh. you be quiet over there. You just, <laughs> I do think it is so. going to have the, the impact that she's hoping for though because once, once, this, uh, once that tweet thread came out, Polydor was questioned by the media, and they said, quote, We are saddened to read Ray's tweets last night and have reached out to her management team to discuss and offer our full support. I love that phrasing, <laughs> our full support. Like, 
like Ray is our friend and something happened to her like a third party hurt our friend and so we're here to support her through this difficult time like we're so sorry that somebody is abusing you oh that somebody is us oh well we're you got our support yeah we we're not going to put you in the studio but you have actions. our support we are saddened to read our actions in the form of a tweet <laughs> oh how could gosh. we and have read such a thing <laughs> it, it, it sucks. And like, I've lived this in my own practice. I distinctly, I, I have a very painful memory of being in a restaurant with this artist who was pretty much the same age as Ray and her explaining mm-hmm. this to me. Cause like a, a friend of mine, like connected me to her and said, can you talk to her? Is there a way you can get her out of the deal? And it was the similar kind of deal. She was stuck in this deal for, I think four years, no albums released, no, no point, yep. no, no light on the horizon about an album eventually getting released. And she was sobbing. In, you know, loudly sobbing in this crowded restaurant in Miami because she, she felt trapped. She felt no way out. She felt that she's a creator. She feels this urge to create as all creators do. And she's contractually prohibited from creating. In economics, we, you know, we talk about this idea of market failures. I remember they always they said, you know, a market failure <laughs> is when the producer, you know, there's something that's preventing uh, producers and consumers from getting the thing that they both want. And because there's something in the market that's preventing just that transaction. Labels right. are an inherent market failure. This is a situation oh, yeah. where Ray wants to make albums. The fans want these albums and they are like yelling at her on Twitter. Where's the album? And it's not happening because a label is standing in the middle saying, we don't think it's cost effective. And it, it just, I mean, it just pisses me off. It's just so upsetting. Yeah, it's uh, something that I know you preach all the time is that you've got to be really careful when approaching these labels who really do want to hold the keys. They want to hold the power for as long as you're with them. That's why they try to pull you in. And I have to say, I understand where this artist is coming from or any artist that, you know, this is what they've wanted to do all their life. Yeah. And so they're not sitting reading all the fine print to the letter, crossing every T and dotting every I when it comes to reading these contracts. So you find yourself in these positions and all you want to do is make music that you can give to your fans. And unfortunately, something's in between, something's in the way. And something else to note here in closing, and I think this is the way to to really make this real for the indie creators that are listening and watching to this is the new music industry, this quote unquote new music industry that we're in where it's cheaper than easier and cheaper than ever to make promote distribute music, uh, perhaps uh, using the uh, platform of artist Republic. We're going to talk with uh, Nick, Nick uh, Chanfioni in just a, just a second here. You know, maybe his tools can lend some assistance with this, but because of this new world that we're in, where it's easier than ever to create music and put it out there, your fans have an expectation of getting more art from you than they ever have. They want to see you know, music regularly, a new song once a month. And all of that, that new reality is so incongruent with the old label model of the label's going to put oh, yeah. out an album of yours every two years when they feel like it. Two years. In two years, they're going to forget all about you. You know, mm-hmm. two years is a, is like a million years in this industry with how competitive it I is I can't now. remember what happened two minutes ago. Two years. So, I mean, think about TikTok <laughs> trends, right? Like, oh, yeah. 
I mean, whatever, like whatever was a trend two weeks ago on TikTok, we've all forgotten about, and you know now it's something completely new, and that's just and absolutely. And so you can't, you can't even think about, you can't even think about a TikTok trend. I can't, I can't even two weeks like, I, I'm ago. Trying to, I'm trying, one can't even come to mind. That's and so you can't get <laughs> exactly. into these label models where it's we're gonna put out an album every two three years, or we're not gonna put out an album of yours for seven years and keep you trapped seven in this deal years. forever. It's uh, it's just completely unbelievable. And my only the hope in this is perhaps this this combination of Ray's tweet thread and how much it's pissed off her fan base because her fans have already started attacking the uh, Polydor <laughs> Twitter account. Hopefully that springs Polydor into ap- action and, and, and she at least can get one album into this four album deal. So, you know, at this rate, if she puts out one album every seven years, she'll be out of this deal when she's 20, you know, 28 years from now. That'll that'll be great. All right. Yeah. Okay, JC, here's the thing. I am that mm. that that segment got me heated. Uh, it, Ooh, it got so me thinking hot. about every record deal that I've ever worked on that's made me just You were so... hotter than outside <laughs> for me. <laughs> no, they, you, they, are, they are doing uh, self-service uh, gasoline in my body right now because they of how heated I am. And so I had another story that was like a serious music business story. But I kind of need a palate cleanser. I kind of need something, you know, more fun and interesting mm-hmm. and hilarious. You told me that I should come to you for IKEA couches. There's a, apparently something going on with yeah. IKEA couches that you just need to uh, you, you need that I should know about. So I will say, as of the release of this podcast, we will have already concluded Pride Month. So happy uh, yesterday, Pride. <laughs> Uh, for this thank you for that ryan and uh it's been a pretty successful pride month i guess you know congratulations to the corporations you are now able to put away your rainbow logos uh you are able to you know just tuck that away pack it away for the rest of the year and come back next june it's really great But as far as the gay agenda goes, we got some really good stuff this Pride Month. We got the release of a new He-Man trailer. Oh. That's pretty on the queer spectrum. We got He-Man coming back. Uh, We got Loki as a confirmed queer in the MCU. So thank you, Loki. We've got... We've got uh, Shakari Richardson going to the Olympics yeah. uh, as America's fastest woman and saying that, you know, uh, she, you know, ran that race in full beat makeup, acrylics uh, and this bright orange hair. And she said that her girlfriend picked out her hair. So, you know, we got some good stuff happening for the gay agenda. All in all, good June. Uh, this was a but solid to truly June. cap it off. IKEA has released, well, IKEA Canada has released a set of couches that they say, and Lauren, if we could pull that up, they say uh, are inspired by the different flags and representations <coughs> along the queer spectrum. Uh, so as you can see, there are some pretty choice options <coughs> here for couches. Uh, none you will ever see in my queer household, but... <laughs> Uh, for some person, you know, because this is not a visual medium on the podcast version, we've got the, uh, two spirit 
all black couch with just the little rainbow going on. Uh, we've got the asexual, the ace flag. That is, you know, they're black, purple, and white. And it's got some weird shag going on. A very interesting, almost not safe for work uh, <laughs> pattern going on with that. But, you know, Ikea bringing it to you. Uh, you've got the pansexual flag, which looks like it was created by a kindergartner. So you can put that in your house if you'd like. Um, and also the one that caused the most stir is the bisexual flag couch. Uh, do take a moment to look at this. It is covered with hands everywhere. Yeah. And the thing that caused what does it say the on most the pillows there? with this, it says, it says, it's supposed to say rather, when you change nobody, oh, sorry, when you change or to and, nobody believes you. Of course, they have this phrase kind of segmented into two. It's the two back pillows. Yeah. So, of course, the internet, seeing things in front of them, makes fun of the fact that one of the pillows on its own says, nobody believes you. So, <laughs> just, just, uh, you could just kind just of take exactly that what you want to hear on Pride Month. <laughs> just, of course. Well, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, when you take two things and split them up, of course, everyone wants to read it across like I just tried to just now. So when you change nobody or to and believes you. <laughs> yeah, because if you're reading it left to right, uh, which, <laughs> yeah. which, which is the way like, people like read, beings. you know, in like, the world. <laughs> like people at least will at least English speakers do read from left to right. So uh, this is what we've got. And it's covered in hands. It's got a literal armrest, Ryan. Yep. There is a hand. Yeah, the it is an arm. On the armrest, it's a. It's that, happening. It is. It is indeed happening. Are are these actual couches that you can purchase, or is this concept art? I have never been to a Canadian IKEA, but according to this, these ten love seats will be available for purchase. So, my come goodness! I mean, come on! Look at that progress flag. Which no one? one is sitting in that. <laughs> that is busy. No one is sitting on that. That is a busy couch, that one. That I, that couch fell into a Michaels. It, did it really survive. did. Well, look, I'll say this. In the right setting, you know, in, in the right sort of decor, if you're if you if you uh -huh. if you have a whole room that ties it together, I feel like the two spirit flag might have a place in somebody's home. I mean, if if, if you you're if, saying if the, that is the one. I could that see is the it. one that I mean, has the most super chance. modern, super modern like room, like a lot of, uh -huh. you know, you need a lot of black, you know, maybe even black paint on the walls or, or maybe just like a super white room black with like that black walls. couch for contact for, uh, for contrast. Um, but some of these are just wild. Just, I mean, the, the progress flag, I mean, just like, like I might just, yeah. <laughs> it jumps out at you. I will say it again, just so <laughs> IKEA Canada knows, not in my queer home. Thank you very much. Well, it's nice to know that. I mean, I think about how far pride has come, right? Going all the way back to the Stonewall riots and how literally mm -hmm. a time where the gay community was fighting for its life in the United States in Greenwich Village. And if you would have told those people in the middle of that riot 
that one day in 2021 we'd have these couches, I feel like they would have said it was all worth it. Like, you know, we, we overcame. It. It's just because right? we have, Who we have the most couch? wild Sign looking couches. Up. <laughs> that I've ever ever seen. Okay, that was outstanding. Uh, people, I guess, I guess if you just if you search IKEA love seats on Google, people can find these. Oh yeah, that's oh my goodness, absolutely. And, and our apologies. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Okay, that was exactly what I needed, JC. Thank you. That was a, a palate cleanser. Uh, you know we. This is this is what Break the Business is all about, right? We are your source for uh, hard-hitting stories about the tumultuous nature of the music industry and the merger of old entertainment industry models with new and uh, some crazy-ass IKEA couches and everything well, we got our in between. We got our spinoff coming up next week called Couch Talk. So I'd be so down for that. Absolutely. <laughs> I actually just got a couch. It was not one of those. If had I had I just waited one more month to make my couch purchase, I could have had these available to me. Damn. But, yes, uh, but so yeah, I have couches on the mind. Other things I have on the mind are our our guest Nick Chanfioni coming up next hmm. here on Break the Business. Do not go anywhere. Ryan Carella here. I hope you're enjoying the show and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm, RKPA, does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Carella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening and watching to Break the Business. We're on Twitch. We're on YouTube Live. We're on Facebook Live. We're on pretty much all the major podcast platforms. And dot, 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 you can also check us at SiriusXM Channel 145. Ryan Carell here, joined by JC. How's it going, man? How's it going? All right. We are resetting here and bringing in our guest. He is the CEO of Artist Republic, a web-based marketing management and booking platform for independent artists all over the world. Gotta love that. You can find out more by visiting Artist Republic, and that's Republic with a K at the end, dot com. We are happy to welcome Nick Chanfioni on Break the Business. Hello, Nick. 
Well, let's see if we can get him unmuted there. One oh, more time. Look at that. Great, great entrance over here. How yeah. are you guys doing? That? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing good. very well. It is, it's so great to be chatting with you, Nick. Now, I said your last name throughout the first segment with a great amount of trepidation. I feel like there is maybe like a less than 1% chance I said it right. Was I at least in the ballpark? Surprisingly, you said it right. Oh my! Thank oh. God! Thank God! Who he won the will bet? Never Let's, let us uh, forget this. Woo! Oh my God! Yeah, twenty years from now, I remember that time I made Nick's name. I I always used to say that you know we, I just had to get big enough for people to actually you know pronounce it correctly. Well, <laughs> not saying you're big. Oh, not saying you're not big. Okay, because like you know you're 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 big. You're superstar, but. I did, oh, yeah. like, try to find a bunch of interviews to get it right, and I only practiced it in front of the mirror about a thousand times before this episode. It is a, it is a great name. I love just awesome Italian names, and that one is just fantastic. And here, let, me, oh, let, me, yeah. let me phrase it to you this way, okay? We have had two guests on this program with fantastic Italian names. I want, I want to uh, get your objective opinion. Which name is more cool Italian, all right? We got yours. Nick Chanfioni, that's nice, right? Or mm-hmm. does the title go to Break the Business Podcast guest favorite, PR music PR wizard, Angela Mastro Giacomo? Because that's pretty good, too. Mm. Be objective. I'm going to have to give it. Uh, yeah, I, I can't give it to myself. Wow. That, that's a great name. Wow. That's, that's a that's, great Italian it's name. Both solid. Like, I mean, look, it's yeah. close. It's a photo finish. I don't want you to be yeah. upset with yourself. No, when you when you just I, end I, with an O, it's just so much better. Yeah, yeah, that helps. I can't say either, so you know you're both. <laughs> me. Well, also, True. as a fellow member of the impossible to pronounce last name club, I you know I feel a sense of solidarity with you. <laughs> I really wanted to get that name at least close to being right, <laughs> because you're worth celebrating, my man. You you know, you got a cool platform there with Artist Republic, as you. List, if you listen to the first segment, you know we just spent most of it mm-hmm. just crapping all over labels. So we love oh, yeah. the folks who are giving independent artists a new path forward. And with you, I want, I want to start at the beginning with you. So you got your start in mm-hmm. music entrepreneurship. You've done a lot of startups, but yep. you started off in the concert business. You were setting up concerts, promoting concerts, hosting concerts. And I have to say... It, this is a common theme I've seen with artists on, with uh, music entrepreneurs that I've interviewed. You guys always seem to get your start in the concert side of things. What is it about the concert business that hones so many future music entrepreneurs? Oh, there's so much. Well, I mean, first <laughs> off, first off, throwing concerts when you're at a young age is not in not in the term of what you're thinking. I'm going to say, but it is sexy as all hell. Um, not in the sense of like sexy as in you're going to get girls, but in sexy as in you have the funnest job in the world. Uh, you imagine. are paid throw parties. <laughs> uh, so first off that, that I think grabs a lot of younger people's attention because who was, who doesn't want to go to a party? Who doesn't want to throw a party? Who doesn't want to get paid to throw a party? Um, so I think that's one thing. But going forward off of that, though, I actually always tell people, like, if you want to get into entrepreneurship in general, never mind, if you want to get into the music business, start by throwing concerts um, for so many reasons. One, it's easy. It's so easy to enter. There is not a single music venue in the United States that you can call and tell them that you that you want to rent out their venue and throw a party and they're going to say no. Mm. You know, they're going to take you. I was I hosted my first concert at 14 years old and they let me do it. I was 14. 
Um, wow. I was hosting college. I was hosting 21 plus concerts that I couldn't technically even legally go to. Um, <laughs> and they still let me do it because I paid them. You know what I mean? Like no one, no one's going to say no. The other thing is there's not a lot of risk in it. Um, as bad as it is to say, you would definitely burn your reputation. Um, but if you go and you try to host a concert and you get a week beforehand and you realize no one's coming to the concert, then you just cancel the concert. Um, you know, obviously you may be on the hook for 50% of the rent or stuff like that, but at the end of the day, you cancel the concert. Um, it's not like you have these massive startup costs that, you know, you then have like 10,000 hoodies in stock that you can't get rid of, even if you gave them as Christmas presents to everybody. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you can walk away pretty easily. And I think kind of the last piece of it is there, it is a very easy way to get connections very quickly. Um, because mm. of the fact that there is not a single music artist or manager or anybody in the music industry that is going to say no for performing at a concert. And so it's a very easy way to get those connections, deliver value, and more importantly, get that value in return. And I think that's why everyone starts there. Um, because of, you know, I don't think there's any other starting point that is accessible like that and also super fun. What a great way to get things started for yourself. And it brought you to where you are today yeah. as the CEO of Artist Republic. I want to talk about this platform, okay? It is mm -hmm. being described, if I have interpreted your web materials correctly, as a 360 decentralized platform, fairly full service for indie creators. Let's break mm -hmm. down these two terms here, 360 and decentralized. Let's, let's talk about 360 first. What makes Artist yes. Republic a 360 platform? <sighs> So basically, we're the first platform in the music tech space to actually create a record label online. And so what I mean by that is a full service, online, independent, 100% content controlled by the artist record label. Meaning an artist can sign up and they can a la carte pick from production resources to distribution to marketing to soon live show booking to networking with other artists. Everything that you would do if you were to sign your life away in a seven year uh, four album contract um, <laughs> without the need to sign your life away in a seven year four album contract. And so that's that's really what we're doing um, in the simplest of terms, because. Yeah, the what doesn't exactly what you said when I was listening in the beginning. The record label model actually works really well. But what doesn't work is the way they execute that model. Mm. And that's where the problem is. The model of having everything in one location is extremely efficient. It's extremely cost effective. It's not confusing at all to the artist. And it works. But what gets them caught up is when they execute that, which is the work for hire clauses, the content creation, the content control, everything that you were talking about, that's where they screw up. And so if you could just take that model and remove all the bad pieces and then put it online so that every artist in the world could access it, well, now you got the future of music. I love Nick's perspective, JC, of the, the record label model is this beautiful thing bringing all these services together that was just uh -huh. completely ruined by lawyers making crappy contracts. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta yeah. hit him where it hurts. <laughs> Normally, I would say that was a dig against me, but I'm very much a lawyer on the other side of this dumpster fire. Yeah. And so you're trying to take the the services that labels mm -hmm. provide on the creation, promotion, distribution side. Yep. You're trying to put it all on a on one web based platform for an artist. Makes mm -hmm. sense to me. You also speak of your platform being decentralized. What about it is decentralized? 
So what we mean by that is a couple things. So one thing is decentralizing the music industry. It's actually kind of a double entendre in one sense, which is we're actually decentralizing the music industry by centralization. That makes sense. And so basically you have the, the record label industry, you have the music tech industry. And we're pretty much decentralizing both of those industries by saying you can get every resource you need in one place without signing a record label. But at the same time, you don't need to have all these different subscriptions to seven different distributors and seven different marketing companies and all this stuff. You can just come to one place. And so we're basically decentralizing both of those industries by just bringing it together. Um, but at the same time, the platform is actually built in a decentralized way, meaning we do not provide every service. Oh. Um, and so the way that's actually designed is we're the platform and we know what we can build that we're good at and then also where our pain points are that there are current vendors out there that are better than us and so if that is the case we will either acquire that company or we'll bring them in as a partnership and actually have them provide the service through artist republic and so instead of adding more competition to the market we bring them into the platform enable all of our artists to access in that area um, but decentralizing the control of who's actually managing that system I'm inclined to think that that's the only way you could probably make it work because the skill sets required for any organization to create recording, promotion, and distribution mm -hmm. services, those are so different. They require mm -hmm. such different skill sets operationally, technically, that I feel like if one company said, we're going to make that platform, all those different platforms, it would be a bunch of platforms that none of them were very good because yeah. of the different skill sets. Okay. So your feeling is you have to you know, find the platforms that are already experts at this and mm -hmm. bring them in to be something decentralized, but to put it all under one roof yeah. so it can be a one-stop shop for creators. Yeah. And, and that's if we can't already do it. Like perfect example, you know, there's a, there's dozens of beat stores out there where artists can buy and sell beats and stuff like that. Um, but we made the strategic decision to build our own beat store. Um, because we already had about 3,000 producers on the platform that were using our platform to sell mixing and mastering services. So for us to build our own beat marketplace and build up our own license agreements wasn't that hard. And so it was pretty easy and effective for us to launch our own beat store. Um, but, you know, other areas that are a little more complicated, yeah, we bring in you know, if we don't want to actually dive into that ourselves, we do bring in, you know, other companies like we're not going to be managing our own publishing. Uh, I can tell you that right now. We're, we're working on publishing partners because that is something that I don't want to deal with. Um, that is a headache and it is a lot. <laughs> Same thing with DAW systems. We don't want to be a DAW. We'll partner with DAWs. Um, but that I'm never dealing in the world of sound creation. Mm. Um, that is a beast within itself. And there are way better people out there than us that can do it. <laughs> What's the price point of all of this for an artist? I mean, if I'm walking into this platform and, and I could see myself needing several of the different offerings that Artist Republic has on either the creation, promotion, distribution side of the ledger, what is this looking like for me as an artist in terms yeah. of how much I have to spend? So we like to start things. I mean, everything is a la carte. So you can pretty much like join the platform for free and then you can pick and choose what you want to go with. Um, everything we like to start at multiple points. Um, and what I mean by that is we know that we have artists from, you know, we have over 100,000 artists from about 192 different countries on the platform. So we know that there are artists of all sizes. And that 
brings an inherent response of, okay, how do you have a platform like going off the beat side of things? How do you sell a thousand dollar beat to a professional artist that's using your platform, but also have beats that are accessible by someone who's a bedroom producer who's just starting out? And so when dealing with the beat store, we actually did a creative thing. We actually hired two producers in-house, a part of Artist Bellwick, to ghost produce us beats that then we then put on our beat store with unlimited license for 99 cents. Oh, wow. And so we said, okay, there's a part of our beat store where you can buy beats from professional producers for 99 cents. You can't buy them exclusively or anything like that, but you can get your start. Then you have the other side of the beat store where you have Grammy-nominated awesome producers that are selling beats for thousands of dollars. And so we really want to give that point where it's like which you know, depending on which part you're at, we can help you enter, you know, the platform based on where you're at and where you want to go. Well, one of the things about a platform like this that is an exciting challenge, I would say, for a founder mm-hmm. in your position is when you're trying to be the 360 service, you're trying to do it in a music industry that's changing yeah. pretty much every day, right? What the mm-hmm. music industry looks like now very different than what it looked like five years from now. What the industry is going to look like five years from now will bear only the faintest resemblance to the industry we have today. How do you create a platform that's going to evolve to meet the needs of indie creators as those needs just change rapidly? So first thing is value. You you will get anywhere in life and you will succeed in anything you do as long as you're delivering value at every, every point in time. So one thing, as long as we're delivering value, we're always going to be able to adopt. The second piece is it's actually the way the business model is designed. And I've actually talked with this a lot because, you know, you have this world and, and I'm living in investor world right now. And, you know, you have this world where investors are throwing millions and billions of dollars of what I call fad chasing. Um, you know, you have all these companies getting massive, massive funding rounds. And but the reality is their business model is based on a fad. And then, you know, in three or four years, it's gone. Maybe they recouped their money. Maybe they didn't. And so really the way Artist Public is designed is that the core business model is not on a fad. The core business model has been around for 500 years. Well, I don't know. However long record label has been around. That core business model has been around for hundreds of years. And so basically what keeps us up to date is within those core business models, where we, what services we add on can change over time. So, you know, a perfect example is marketing changes every day. We obviously have our marketing silo of the company of, okay, these are the resources we have for marketing. Um, obviously, you know, one of, you know, some of the biggest marketing services have to do with, you know, how do I advertise my song? That changes every day. Um, and so as that market changes, you know, if one marketing service that we have right now just starts to underperform over the next six months, then clearly there's going to be something else. And that system can then be built into our marketing silo. And then we deploy that and we take the other system down and, you know, we can continuously adopt because at the end of the day, the business model is still there. Um, it's just the way we deliver it may change over the years. Well, that makes perfect sense to me. L- let me ask you something from just a, a perspective of somebody who, who found startups. Mm-hmm. You've launched quite a, f- a few of these music startups in your career. Are there any lessons that entrepreneurs like you learn from founding a music business startup that you think are good lessons for indie creators to learn that are trying to establish an entrepreneurship presence on the creative side? Ooh. The indie creator side really got me. I will say this. One thing that I think 
is a great lesson that I have learned through being in the music industry is the ability to sell and the ability to promote genuineness through brand voice. And what I mean by that is there is no industry in the world that will automatically think that they are getting screwed over by you before you even get a dollar from them <laughs> besides for the music industry. He's so right. And that teaches me so much. Um, really, really when I learned that was before this, I ran a marketing company for the music industry. And I always say I learned how to, I could, after that running that company, I could sell ice to an Eskimo <laughs> because every day I had sales calls. I had 22 sales calls a day with music artists. First, I would cold DM. So first off, I had to sell them on cold DM. Then once I actually got them onto a call, I had to convince them to trust a person they had no idea who they were on a service that they don't like and don't know about and give them the value that it's going to work for them and then convince them to pay me after I render the services. That right there will never be experienced in any other industry. <laughs> Because if you're selling Salesforce to a company, they know they have a CRM problem. Yeah. They want your solution. They don't think you're going to screw them over. But the music industry, you know what their problem is. They don't recognize their problem. They don't trust your solution. And they don't want to give you their money because they don't trust you. Well, and because people have been burned <laughs> so many times before in this yes. business. Because yeah. for every really legitimately good music industry idea, there are a hundred clunkers. And oh, yeah. you get pitched those clunkers. And so uh -huh. when somebody comes with a good one, you're like, you know, you're skittish. <laughs> Yeah. You're, you're like the, the dog. You're like a puppy in the shelter who's <laughs> you're yeah. just, is, is afraid to open his heart to the new <laughs> owner. Like, and it's a and so, yeah, it is a hurdle for you to overcome. But when you said that, yeah. I was just like, he's so right about that. And it's sad. It's really sad. Like, it's genuinely sad. And uh, yeah, it's and it's a similar I, I challenge always... for creators on the creative side, too. Yeah. I think that analogy applies for indie yeah. creators uh, because they have to overcome a similar kind of you know, what's the word I'm looking for mental block on the part of consumers, mm -hmm. uh, who oh, yeah. uh, are also going to be skeptical of new offerings. And, you know, it's a, mm -hmm. it's, it's a challenge that creators have to rise to just as music business entrepreneurs do. Yeah. And so I think, I think that kind of is the advice for, especially creators. That's how I, you know, kind of linking it back. You know, I think the two pieces is one, be genuine. Mm -hmm. Um, I know in my sales pitches, when I used to DM people, I used to swear in it because what bot is going to swear? <laughs> and, uh, you know, what good. sketchy salesperson is going to, you know, drop the F-bomb. I used to do it left and right in my sales pitches. And they'd be like, oh, it's cool. This guy's cool. He swears. Um, and the other thing I would say, too, is, you know, deliver value first. So, like, when I actually ran my marketing company, um, I would actually do the services first and then charge them after. And people were like, that's risky. Why would you work and then get paid? Um, but if you deliver good value, you know, I had like a 98% accounts receivable collection. Um, right. You know, that's, it's insanely high for that. And it's just because when you deliver the value, people are, are willing to pay. Um, so I think in, in that's the reason I talk more on the marketing side, I think that's res can resonate a little bit more with, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, cause that's, you know, smaller scale than starting a, a tech company. Um, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I think that's, that's definitely the pieces I learned. And, you know, we definitely do resonate that when, you know, doing our, our, 
what I call air game marketing for artist public between ads and stuff like that. You know, we're very aggressive in our verbiage and, you know, creating a brand voice that is delivering value and not just like, Hey, you should come distribute to us. Um, it's like, Hey, this is, this is actually why, you know, we're doing what we're doing and this is why it's better. And here's the value for you. You can find out more about our guests' work by visiting www.artistrepublic.com. And the last letter of that is a K, artistrepublic.com. Mm-hmm. Our guest, Nick Chanfioni here, just sharing some great knowledge. Before we let you go, Nick, one mm-hmm. last question. And I know you gave us a tip yeah. there at the end, but we're going to get another one out of you here. Do you have <laughs> any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Yeah, don't stop genuinely don't stop i don't think there is any difference between an indie creator and an entrepreneur i truly don't um you know both of us are jumping off a cliff and building in the airplane on the way down and at the end of the day you know before i think a lot of people like to look at someone's you know step 10 before in compared to their step one um and you know i always used to get so upset when that, when I was starting out my companies, I'd be like, why is this person getting recognition? You know, I've been working harder with them. And, you know, I always say that. And, you know, I worked probably nine and a half years without, you know, a single paycheck before really this, this company. And, you know, that's the reality. And I I can definitely resonate with a lot of artists and indie creators that are going through that. But the reality is don't stop. You know, it's going to happen sooner or later. It has to, it's just inevitable. If you're 1% better than you were the day before, it's going to happen. Right on, Nick. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank this you. has been awesome. A, a real pleasure. Don't be a stranger. We'd mm-hmm. love to have you on again real soon. Definitely won't. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ashley. You got it. As Nick Chanfioni, everybody. Um, not going to lie, JC, I did I did do a little off-camera fist bump, like or, 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 uh, like a fist pump, <laughs> like like Tiger Woods at the Masters, yeah. just like when I, when I got his name exactly right there. That you re- did. I'm not going to say that. I could see the self-satisfaction. It, I mean, it's a place. hard name. And I'm not saying yeah. that it's the greatest achievement of my professional career, but top 10? Mm, kind of think so. Like, just I hate. will agree with you. Cause, you know, <laughs> like the people on the stream see it, right? Where when I'm just saying the name, it doesn't seem like it's that hard until you see him pop up and you see how it's spelled. And it's just, oh, a, yeah. uh, but look at the podcast description. You'll see. Yeah. But for people, <laughs> uh, but for somebody like him, who's created a cool platform like this, that is, you know, a, being a full service 360 solution for indie creators so that they don't end up like the folks who are stuck in a deal for seven years and don't have an album to their name. You better believe I want to remember his name. Oh gosh. Oh, yeah. uh, so before we head out, JC, I did want to just mention something here at the end, um, you know, kind of a downer to end this on, but it's, it's worth mentioning here. A day after uh, we last went live on Twitch, uh, so about six days ago, the town of Surfside, which is, you know, 30 minutes from where I live, and you know, when you lived in yeah. South Florida, Surfside was pretty close to where you were too, right? Because you were up in North Miami. Oh. I was in North Miami, so like literally 10 minutes yeah. away. So yeah. as many folks know at this point, Surfside had a horrific tragedy. The Champlain Towers South Condominium collapsed. As we are now live here, there are 12 confirmed dead and about 150 residents are still unaccounted for. Uh, again, this is this is my neck of the woods. JC, who grew up yeah. in Miami, this is you know, you know, his, uh, his town where he grew up. Our community is reeling from this. This is 
you know, just super crushing, super tragic. It's it's one of those things where, as you know, JC, Miami is the biggest small town. Everybody knows everybody through six degrees of separation. So we all know somebody who knows somebody who's been affected by this tragedy directly. And so it's it, it, it's it's tough for all of us. So a hardship fund has been established to help those impacted by the building collapse. It's right there at the bottom of your screen, www.supportsurfside.com. We, I encourage all of you to donate. We're, we're going to be donating here on the podcast, and uh, we love, oh, yeah. we'd really appreciate it if you all could just step up and support our community, support the people who have been just lives irrevocably changed by this uh, kind of thing. I, I heard this mentioned on a radio show the other day where, and, and it kind of resonated with me, this idea that when you walk into a building, you never think of the possibility of it collapsing. Like of all the things, I'm a pretty fearful guy in terms of just being afraid of everything on (laughs) this earth. I've never walked into a building and thought that could ever possibly happen. And now I'm going to be afraid of that every time I walk into a building. But, um, you know, that's, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's really shook my world. And, you know, I'm, you know, not, you know, I don't have like a family member who's directly affected by it, but you know, it's, it's our town. It's, it's your town, JC. This is, it's been tough. Yeah. And you know, my heart goes out to everyone affected by this. Um, and like you say, we're such a, a small, big town, um, here in Miami, but like on the other side of this, I really hope that we're not worried about walking into buildings. Something will come of this that will be better and that we will have more regulation. We will find out what happened here. Uh, and that will bring a, a little bit of balm. You know, it won't bring back all of, you know, the, the confirmed dead or the people that are missing. But uh, we, we need to find out what happened and support the people that are doing the work right now uh, to in the recovery efforts. Well, let's definitely do that. Again, you go to www.supportsurfside.com. That is the hardship fund that's been set up to help those impacted uh, by this horrific tragedy. Uh, my thanks to you, JC. This has been uh, a really engaging show. We, we really got to run the gamut in terms of uh, just hard-hitting news about just, you know, I feel like this was an old-school show, like just picking on record labels, just getting back to our roots <laughs> yes. here at Break the Business. Gotta love it. You really and were. loved having you here along the way, lending your insight, and just a fantastic couch segment. And Thank you. Our, our thanks as well to uh, Nick Chanfioni for joining us as well. Again, check out artistrepublic.com uh, to find out more about his platform. Thanks to all of you for listening and watching Break the Business. We will see you next week. Thank you.